We're going to dive into a book that's actually a part of a compilation of books. The compilation of books is called The Bible. And there's one particular book in there that we're going to look at. It's it's a book called Luke. And Luke uh, wrote about Jesus. He was just somebody that actually chronicled about the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at his book in just a few minutes. And, uh, and right before we do that, I just would like to pray one more time over God's word. So God, we just pray over your word. We pray, God, that it would change hearts. It would change lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Well, today's theme, if you didn't know, is one day. Uh, We asked everybody in our church to bring at least one guest on this one day. And so that's our theme today is one day. But I want to kind of weave this theme throughout the next few minutes and talk about different days that actually are game changers for us. So let me just start by asking this question. How many of you ever had a day that was defi- a defining day for you in a bad way? A day that you can remember that was a defining day for you in a bad way. Okay, let's move on past that one and let's talk about the opposite. How many of you ever had a day that was a defining day for you in a good, positive way? Yes, a day that you can look back and go, that was a game changer. That was a positive day that I can look back you know, we only have a few of these in life, and I've had a few of these myself, and uh, I want to just tell you about one of the greatest days of my entire life, and that was on October the 28th. I believe the year was 2000, uh, the day that my bride walked down the aisle, and I got married, and I just had the thought, she chose me. I just came so excited. So that's my wife. She was the one leading worship here today, or the one singing, so that's me and her, that wasn't the day that we got married. Uh, She looks about the same as the day that we got married. I look vastly different. She says that I look a lot better than the day that we got married. So uh, that was a day that was a game changer for me. And then I remember another day that was a game changer for me, the day uh, that my first daughter, Libby, was born. And uh, she's now 13 years old, but I'll still never forget the day that she was born. I I, it was. We were living in Minnesota at the time. It was like negative 15 below zero. It was very cold. It was a February morning, and uh, we had a C-section. Most of you know what a C-section is. It's like you can schedule an appointment to have the child. That's pretty convenient. And and so we we went ahead and we had that that C-section. And a lot of things that I learned that day about the process. I, if you can't tell, I'm a a little bit of a nervous, kind of anxious personality type guy, and I was very nervous uh, that day, so they didn't let me into the operating room till the last few minutes of the, the operation, and and then when they did, you know, it wasn't quite how I had imagined it was going to be. There's a lot of a slime happening. There's a cord, you know, hanging there. And I remember the doctor asking me, do you want to cut the cord? And I was like, no, thank you, you know. And, uh, I, I, I remember that day, and then what they did is they sent me into the the nursery to like where all the dads wait on their child to come in. And so I, I never forget, I went into that nursery and uh, when I got to the nursery, I discovered quite a few things. But one of the major things that I discovered was there's just a lot of ugly babies that are born. Now, that's a thought all of you have had. You probably didn't have the courage to say it out loud, so I did it for you. Uh, you know, there's some parents, I didn't know how to congratulate them exactly. You know, like, congratulations on your lizard, you know, like, that kind of thing. But but the day, if we could show that picture one more time, when, when they brought her in, I thought, I'm so glad that she's the one with me. 
That day changed my life. And the first thought that I had was, she's so beautiful. The second thought that I had was, why did we wait so long? This is amazing. Being a dad has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And then we had, a little while later, a boy. And uh, I'm going to show you the picture of my son, Lincoln. And uh, this was a special day for me. Uh, that's me and, and him together. And uh, he was a beautiful baby as well. And, you know, I... I with Libby, my kind of my heart melted. I felt that like daddy daughter kind of feeling. With Lincoln, I kind of just felt like like I upped my manhood a little bit. Like I I, I became more of a man that day when when Lincoln uh, was born. I thought you know I made you you know that kind of thing. But uh, and then uh, eighteen months ago, we on purpose uh, decided to have a third child. I have to clarify because I'm 44. People say, you really did that? I'm, yes, we did that on purpose. And uh, and so that is uh, our 18-month-old Levi. He, he uh, this, this picture was taken, I, I believe, at Easter uh, just several months ago. So those days changed my life. Another day that changed my life drastically, probably I would say the most important day for myself, was the day that I was 17 years old, almost 18 years old. I had grown up in church my entire life. I'd known about religion. I'd known about God. I'd had a lot of information about God. My parents were godly people. But I decided at 13 years old to rebel against God and go my own path, go my own way. And that led me down a dark road that I'm not proud of and I don't even want to dwell on here today. But all I know is that almost at 18 years old, as I was in a high school student that day, about to be a high school dropout, I, I went forward and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I received a personal relationship with Jesus where I was transformed and I surrendered my life over to him. And that day literally changed the entire trajectory of my entire life. And that day is a day that I'm praying and I'm hoping and that we're praying and hoping that you maybe experience that same kind of transformation here today. Let's look at a, a, a day that changed one particular individual's life out of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. It'll be on the screen. It's also in your notes. You can follow along in your phone you, if you'd rather do that. This is what the Bible says. One day, see how we got the theme there? One day... Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. Now, let's just stop and just kind of pause there for just a second. So here's kind of the, the way that this, this scene is going. We start with a guy named Jesus. Now, here's what you have to know about Jesus. He's not just your average guy. You know, the, some of the older Jesus movies that are out there where Jesus is this, like, you know, real soft-spoken kind of, hello, I am Jesus, you know, type figure that we see in some of those older movies that, you know, you almost are falling asleep, you know, during those movies. I, I just believe that that is not the correct picture of Christ. I believe that Jesus was the most animated, that he was funny, he was engaging, he was a powerful speaker. Because the reason we know this is because literally everywhere that he went, crowds followed him. 
He didn't have a microphone. He didn't have all kinds of, you know, helps to be able to help him speak. I believe that Jesus could hold a massive crowd's attention at any and all times. And so we've got a crowd that is gathered around him that day. And there's all kinds of people there, just like today. There's all kinds of people here in this room in this crowd. You may be here today and say, I'm not really a churchy type person. In fact, I'm a little, you know, worried that, you know, there's going to be a lightning bolt come through the ceiling at any moment because I walked into church. Or uh, you may be here today and say, I, I've known about God, but I'm, I just am not sure exactly where I'm at. I'm kind of on the journey. I'm thinking about it. I'm, uh, you know, kind of seeking what's best for my life. You may be here and go, you know, I've, I've been involved in some church things. I got hurt and some people really turned me off. And so you, you may be kind of in that crowd of people. You may be here and go, I, I'm not against God. I'm not against church. I just haven't made it a priority uh, in my life. And, and so you may, you may be in that crowd here today, or you may be in the crowd here today that says, I, I think I want to know more about God. You're, 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 on, that, I, you're on that precipice of kind of a, a life-changing relationship with Jesus. There, there's all kinds of crowds that are there that day, just like there's all kinds of, of crowds that are here today. And One of the crowds that's there that day is a group of religious leaders, and their names are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I don't have time to go through all of the definition of what these guys were like. You just have to imagine a group of religious guys, a group of religious leaders. They literally were the rule keepers. They were were the ones that made sure that all the check marks happened and all the religious things that needed to happen happened. And and a a lot of kind of oppressive lawmaking, you know, there was over 600 laws that you you had to keep during this this time. And and they were the ones making sure that that everybody kept those laws, including this, this new guy on the scene that was kind of starting to lead a movement named Jesus. So they weren't there to kind of learn from Jesus. They weren't there uh, because they wanted their life to be changed. They were there because they wanted to make sure that the rules were followed and that Jesus followed the rules. It's interesting to think about the fact that these guys that the Bible says came, they wanted to get in to see Jesus, but when they wanted to get in, they couldn't get in because people were blocking their view. They were blocking the view of Jesus. And that's interesting because I still feel like today one of the issues that we have in the church is that church leaders and the way that we portray ourselves and the issues that we we have can still sometimes very much block the view that people have of Jesus. I still believe that there are are things that we choose to engage on, whether it be through social media or, or you know, politics or whatever, that we choose to engage in things and activities that I'm not sure Jesus cares about that much, but we choose to engage in those things, and ultimately what happens is we block other people's view of Christ. We block other people's view of Jesus. They can't see Jesus because we're in front of them talking about things that at the end of the day don't matter quite as much. And those guys are there that day, those religious leaders that are part of the crowd that are blocking Jesus. And I want to make sure that Saints Community Church, that this church that you've been invited into today, this church is not a church that blocks your view of who Jesus is. That we are, we are not 
uh, just looking around and, and just totally blind to the needs, the hurts that people are walking through, that they're going through, that we're a church that understands people need to see Jesus, and we want to do everything we can not to block people's view, but to open up their view of who Jesus is. Amen? So then the, the Bible goes on to say, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So let's talk about that for just a second. Here's the great thing that I love about these sto- this story. These guys aren't that interested in seeing Jesus for themselves. They're actually way more interested in getting their friend in front of Jesus because they know that their friend is in dire need. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. They're actually carrying him on a mat because they know this is maybe this guy's last hope. Getting him in front of this Jesus guy is the last hope that we have. And so they're doing everything that they can because they care about this guy. Now, some of you were invited here today by somebody that that cares. They simply want to get you in a place where you can really see Jesus for who he is. So you're in the room and you're, you're going, I know that they care, but, you know, they invited me and I got to be honest, if I'm honest, a few of you probably say it was a little bit annoying. They, they kept texting, they kept calling, they, they kept handing me a card, they promised me breakfast after, they promised me lunch, they promised me coffee, they said there was pretty girls at the church, they, you know, they, they said there was all this stuff, they gave me every reason, to, they used every amount of leverage they could to get me to come to, into this church. And, and I just have to tell you that, uh, we don't apologize for that, and the reason why is because we care. And we have actually chosen a path in our own lives where we, Jesus has changed our life. And we believe that he can change yours too, that he can literally rearrange. This could be a day that, that changes. your one day that changes the rest of your life. So, yes, we're doing everything we can, just like these guys are doing everything that they can to get this paralyzed friend of theirs in front of Jesus. And so back during that time, there was actually much different than our roofs. There was flat roofs during that time. And I think we've got a picture of kind of how a roof would look back during that time. And and so they couldn't get in to see Jesus. They couldn't get in to see to get their friend in front of Christ. And so what they did is they said, well, let, let's go on the roof and see if there's any way uh, that we can, you know, get him in there. And so they, they go on the roof. And roofs back in this time, they were they were made of uh, kind of uh, some twigs and sticks. And then on top of that, there'd be a layer of mud or, or clay. And then on top of that, there would be a layer of kind of straw that they would use. And so not like, you know, like our roofs today, you know, we're literally, you know, getting through our roof is no joke uh, today. It would take like a sledgehammer or something like that. And uh, as some of us found out during Katrina, you know, and so uh, so this is a different kind of roof that day. And so they, they look up and and uh, and they they see, well, we still can't get in. Uh, we still can't even see Jesus. The roof is closed. And so these guys do what an insurance nightmare uh, a person, you know, on the other end of that insurance call, would, would it's just a nightmare. They, they literally create a hole in the roof. They begin to actually dismantle structure, okay? And they dismantle structure. They open up a hole. And what they do, and you just got to imagine, don't just imagine what those guys are doing. Imagine being in the room where Jesus is. 
and you don't know what's happening. So they go on that roof. Probably, most likely, nobody at that point had, had uh, uh, you know, knew what was going on. They maybe were trying to be quiet as they got up on the roof. And, and then something begins to happen. All of a sudden, there's dust that's falling down into the room. And then there's, like, twigs and straw that's falling down into the room. And then they see, oh, my. These guys actually just put a hole in the roof. Now, put yourself not even in the crowd's position. Put yourself in the owner of the home's position, okay? They just broke a hole in my roof. And is this covered, sweetie, with our insurance? I don't know if this is going to be covered. We might have to pay for this out of pocket, you know? And so literally these guys create a hole, and they don't want to just be able to see Jesus. They want to get their paralyzed friend right in front of Christ, right in front of Jesus. So they, they lower him down, and Jesus opens up a conversation. He stops teaching, and he opens up a conversation. And, and this is his words that he said. He's saying this to them, and he's saying this to their paralyzed friend. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your what? Your sins are forgiven. Wait, wait, wait. Now everybody is confused at this point. Sins, that's not actually why we came here. Not sure, Jesus, if you didn't realize that the guy that you're talking to is on a mat because he can't walk and he's paralyzed. Now we've heard that you heal people. Word is spread throughout the land that you can heal people. That's actually why we're here. We're, we're not actually interested in this whatever you're calling sin issue uh, that's happening. And, and that's kind of how we are too. The, the way that I'll frame it for you is we're usually more interested in our external symptoms than we are on our internal causes. Hello? We want God to help us with the symptoms. But God doesn't want to just help us with our symptoms. He wants to help us with the root cause. The thing on the inside of us that is causing the damage in our relationships, that is causing the damage in our finances, that is causing the damage in every area that we turn, and it's something called sin. Jesus has this annoying way, and it doesn't just stop when you give your life to Christ. It's literally your whole walk with Jesus every day. He has this annoying way of digging deeper into our lives. Going past the surface of the things that maybe we pray for and that we, we project. The things that we say, God, help me with my finances. God, help me with my family, this issue. Help me with a, uh, this relationship, God. Help me with my job. You know, help, help me propel my career, whatever it is. God, God isn't uh, as interested. He is interested in those things. We're going to find that out in a second. But he's more interested in what's happening in our soul. In fact, I could say it like this. When you put your life in Jesus' hands, he doesn't just make your life better. He makes your soul better. He doesn't just make your life better. He actually makes your soul better. And your soul has this issue. It's a simple word that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't, but it's kind of, maybe you go, that's kind of a churchy word, but it's this word called sin. And Sin just basically means this. It means to miss the mark. 
It just basically, as hard as we try, as much effort as we put forward, as much as we try to, to do everything we can to, to be the, the perfect human being, we never hit the mark. Because the, the, the mark of perfection is only God. God is the only one that hits the mark. And so no matter how hard we try, even on our best days, we miss that mark. And that, that missing the mark is just called sin. And, and Jesus starts with this guy that's paralyzed. He says, your sins have been forgiven. Some of you hear the word sin and you go, oh, that's kind of relieving because I'm actually not that bad. I, I, I maybe not exactly hit the mark, but I'm pretty close to the mark, Wayne. I'm, I'm, I'm relatively close to that, that mark. And, and I'm just here today to tell you, I just want to just kind of enlighten you on a few things. The Bible actually says in this book called Romans, it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I just want to emphasize the word in there, one word in that, that sentence, and that's the word all. And so all, and I, I went to this seminary where they taught us how to study the Bible and the different languages and all of that stuff. And so I just want to give you kind of like the, the meaning, the original root meaning of that, that word all in its original language. That, that word all in the original language actually means all. It actually means everybody. It means you. It means me. It means every person on this planet. And, you know, when you have kids, those of you that have children, you realize this really is true. Because you go, my kids are beautiful and I love them, but where did they learn to do that? Where did they learn to lie? Where did they learn to, to do the things that, that they do? And you go, wow, we really are born like this. This is an innate nature that we have when we come onto this planet when we're born. That's all have sinned. And then the Bible goes on to say in another verse called Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that, that, that the wages of sin is death. So all have sinned, and, and then all die. Now, some of you go, that's easy to understand. Yes, all, all people die, but it's not just talking about a, a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death, that not only will we all die, we know that's true, but, but the Bible refers to a place called heaven where, where Jesus desires everybody to go when, when they die in this afterlife, and then a place that God actually weeps over. He wants no one to go to, a place called hell that is only reserved for those that, that, that didn't say yes to following Jesus. So it's talking about a physical death and a spiritual death. But the good news is this in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, you and I, Jesus died for us. You know what I love about the story? Jesus died before we ever said yes. Isn't that amazing? Jesus died knowing some would never say yes. He still died. He loved us that much. And then it goes on in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, to talk about how if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, we can be saved. And that's the good news. And, and that's why Jesus is telling this guy, hey, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes on, Jesus goes on, uh, to, to say this. He says, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Just stop and think about that for a second. They didn't say it out loud. 
He read their minds, literally. If you ever wondered if Jesus was powerful, right there it is. He knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? To which they replied, oh, my word, he's a mind reader. Verse 23, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, this is a big deal. Jesus is making a huge claim here. He is literally saying, hey, I want you to know, not only am I connected to God, wait for it, I am God. And I do have the ability to forgive sins. Because these teachers, these church leaders were going, oh, well, only God can forgive sins. And he's saying, exactly. I am God. I have the power to forgive your sins and I have the ability and the desire and the mercy to forgive you of your sins. Don't you love that Jesus doesn't tell this guy that he has to go through a hundred different kinds of motions to receive forgiveness of sins? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to read this much of the Torah. I need you to memorize this. You've got to go to church this many times, pray these prayers. You've got to do exactly. Now, if you'll do all of these things, and really there's some stuff in your life, some bad thoughts you've been having, some bad things you've been thinking, some bad things you've been doing, and you got to clean all of that up before your sins can be forgiven. Come back to me when your life looks really perfect, and maybe I'll accept you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say that? What did he say? He said, your sins are forgiven. Come as you are. No perfect people allowed. Come on in. I want to forgive you of your sins. And then he goes on to close it like this. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things. When? One day. Today. We've seen amazing things today. Listen, here's what I'm here today to tell you. Jesus, first of all, wants to forgive you of your sins. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, no matter how bad you feel hurt, no matter what's happened in your past, today is a day that Jesus can actually forgive you of your sin. That he can have the mercy and the power to forgive you of your sin, to literally rearrange your life and your eternity. He can do that today. But then secondly, he also has the ability and the desire to help your life. And I don't know what your sickness looks like. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're here today and you've got a sickness in your body like this paralyzed man did. I don't know if you're here today and you've got some emotional sickness that's happening where you're in the room and you feel depressed and you feel hurt and you feel bewildered and maybe you have a big reason for it and maybe you have no reason for it. I don't know if you're here today and you're walking through a situation in your family that You just go, does God even care? I promise you he cares, and he wants to move in your situation. I don't know if you're here today and facing a crisis in your finances. I don't know what your crisis looks like, but I know this. I've been alive long enough, and I've been doing this long enough, trying to care for people long enough that I've realized this. Everybody in every room, including this one, has a story.
everyone. That pain escapes no one. And heartache escapes no one. And I don't know what you're facing today. But the good news is Jesus can, first of all, forgive you of your sins. And secondly, he can heal whatever part of your life or at least give you the ability to walk through it with his strength and his love. There are certain days where, cha- where lives are changed. There are certain days that literally are days that mark history in a different way than other days. And this man named Jesus that I'm talking to you about today, this day that he came on this planet literally changed history. It changed history enough to where it, it, our history and our timelines are considered B.C., before Christ, and A.D. Today, I want you to think about what Jesus did and who he is. He lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death. And he rose from the dead. Those days changed history. Today, I'm believing that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, Jesus can be the answer. That today can be your one day.